0: You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website libertyfamilychurch.net.au Let's pray as we open God's word together this morning. Jesus, we praise you for you are good. You are worthy. You are to be honoured above all. And God, today we just choose to do that as we open your word, as we open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to receive from you afresh today. We pray by Holy Spirit you would speak powerfully to us as we explore and continue to explore your incredible Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus, speak powerfully to each one of us, we pray. Would you get all the glory and would you help us to continue to grow as kingdom citizens, as sons and daughters and children of yours in your family. We pray this Jesus in your mighty name. Amen. In today's passage in Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 to 20, Jesus provides his second of four warnings. His first as we looked at last week was a warning to not simply view him as some great spiritual teacher, as some great person of great moral character and great moral ideals, but rather to actually make a choice to either choose to enter through the narrow way through faith in him and follow him with our very lives or choose to not. And as he said, to then suffer the consequences, the eternal consequences, one way or the other, Our choice has eternal consequences. And Jesus was encouraging us to actually choose life and to choose him. And in today's passage, Jesus continues with his warnings and he explains why it is that some will not actually enter through the narrow gate. Why some will not be saved and will not actually enter into eternity in heaven with God. And he says that it's actually because of the influence of false prophets. Let's read Jesus' words together in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, The Bible is full of similar warnings when it comes to false teachers and false prophets, when it comes to warning people to beware of such people. In the Old Testament, all the way back in the prophet Jeremiah's day, false prophets were in the world and they were causing havoc. They were leading God's people astray. And God was pretty clear in how he communicated his feelings about such false prophets Jeremiah 14, verse 14, is a pretty good example of this. And the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination and the deceit of their own minds. Wow. God doesn't hold back in sharing what he thinks about false prophets, does he? you know, in the New Testament, it's not only the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we see scripture after scripture of warning about the dangers of false teachers and false prophets too. Jesus provided countless warnings in the Gospels. Paul did, James did, and the Apostle John did as well. Like this particular warning in 1 John Chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. John says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And this discernment that John is talking about here, testing the spirits to see whether they are of God or are not of God, ultimately testing whether they're of God or of, they're of Satan. Satan masquerades, doesn't he? As he, he he's an imposter, he, he tries to deceive and tries to, uh, make us think that things are actually of God when they're actually of him. So that is why the Apostle John, John is telling us we need to be discerning. And this is the same kind of discernment that Jesus is encouraging us to exercise through what he teaches in Matthew chapter 7, 15 to 20. As with needing to find the right balance, you know, the right balance between not being judgmental toward people and also not being naively accepting of their behavior and influence of other people, that's what we looked at in Matthew 7, 1 to 6, Jesus is saying that all of us, every single one of us, need to be wise and need to be discerning when it comes to evaluating prophets or teachers. Because, as Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 11, many false prophets will arise And lead many astray. As followers of Jesus, we need to be on guard. We need to be cautious. We need to be aware and we need to be discerning. None of us want to be led astray. Not one of us want to be led off the path that leads to life, do we? We all want to be sure that we are well and truly with Jesus, following him and the truth. Not a distortion of the truth, but the truth every single step. Of the way, So how then can we ensure that we don't let, get led astray by false prophets or false teachers? How can we tell a genuine prophet, someone who actually hears from God and shares what God is saying from false prophets who, in God's own words, as we saw in Jeremiah, share worthless divina, divination from the deceit of their own mind? Well, Jesus gives us some clear insights into what to look out for when it comes to identifying false prophets right here in Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20. Here's the first thing. First up, Jesus reminds us that false prophets are often very difficult to spot. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. This is a real challenge, isn't it? Very often, these false prophets are disguised. They appear as though they're beautiful, godly people of integrity and genuine love who are just living sold out lives for God's glory and His alone with with everything that they've got. They look just like you or I, but Jesus says they're actually wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing. They're not genuine. They are not actually for Jesus, and because they're not, as we know from last week's message, this means that they are actually against him. No doubt, there are many false prophets in the world right now who are super easy to identify. Perhaps you could even think of a couple right now, just off the top of your head. Maybe you're thinking of the prosperity preacher, the stereotypical prosperity preacher who declares that if you just give me a really generous financial seed gift in faith to my online ministry, then God will heal you of cancer. Maybe you've heard that before on TBN or something like that. You know, someone who uses Jesus like that for personal gain, it is pretty obvious to say that they're a charlatan. They're an imposter. They're not the real deal. Maybe you can think of a preacher who stands in the pulpit. Maybe you've seen someone do this before, heard someone do this before, who they they just question the divinity of Jesus. Well, Jesus was a good moral teacher, but there's no way he could have been God. Maybe they refer to Jesus as, as yeah, that I've, I've actually heard someone say in a message before in Australia, who's referred to Jesus as merely being a good teacher and most certainly not the Son of God. Quote, a preacher like that would be pretty easy to discern as a false prophet, wouldn't they? As Jesus points to in verses 16 to 19, the fruit of these kinds of false preachers or teachers expose them for who they really are. False prophets and false teachers. Reading from Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. False prophets and false teachers like this are easy to see. They're easy to spot and they're easy for us if we're discerning, to actually keep well away from, to let them have no influence over our faith walk. And we recognize these kind of false prophets from their diseased fruit. But, but, I would suggest, more often than not, many false prophets aren't so easy to spot at all. Just like Jesus said, many false prophets aren't so easy to spot because their error is far more subtle. And sometimes, and this might be really hard for some of us to hear today, sometimes we can't actually identify false prophets because we're actually quite sold on the teaching that they're giving us. We're actually quite into the teaching that we're receiving from them. I think what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones shares in his book, Studies in the Sermon on the Mount, is really helpful in exploring this kind of idea further. Here's what he says about false prophets and their message. The false prophet is the man who has no straight gate or narrow way in his gospel. He has nothing which is offensive to the natural man. He pleases all. He is in sheep's clothing, so attractive, so pleasant, so nice to look at. He has such a nice... And comfortable and comforting message. He pleases everybody and everybody speaks well of him. He is never persecuted for his preaching. He is praised by the liberals and modernists. He is praised by the evangelicals. He is praised by everybody. He is all things to all men in that sense. There is no straight gate about him. There is no narrow way in his message. There is none of the offense of the cross. This is exactly, this is exactly what Jesus is warning us so strongly about in watching out for false prophets. This is exactly why he's warning us so strongly. This is why Jesus describes such people in Matthew 7 and verse 15 as being ravenous wolves. Have you ever actually seen a ravenous wolf before? I'm guessing that if you ever saw one in real life, it would probably be the last image you would ever see, the last thing that would ever come across your eyes, because you would be munched up for lunch or dinner for sure. You don't want to mess with a ravenous wolf. Maybe you've got kids, or maybe you've babysat other people's kids from time to time, and you've had the privilege of watching the movie called Frozen, maybe 84 or 85 times. In fact, you know, in Frozen, one of the main characters, Anna, goes on this journey to find her sister, Elsa, who's gone away from the community in in an emotional state after being discovered for her secret powers. And she hitches a ride with a man named Christoph, who happens to have this sled, and along with his reindeer, Sven. They're on this long journey in the middle of the night or through the pitch black forest with snow everywhere and they're moving pretty quickly in this sled when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this pack of wolves sort of latch onto the back of them and begin to chase them, begin to hunt them down. And I remember it well. I'm sure many kids probably remember it well as well. might have been the source of a few nightmares for a couple of youngsters. But there's this frame, there's this shot of Anna turning around in the sled and actually looking and seeing a face of a wolf staring right back at her. And the face is not a happy face. It's not a a smiling wolf. It is the ferocious look of a ravenous wolf just staring back at her with evil intent, looking to her as a nice tasty snack to have. It's a super confronting scene, and I'm sure not just for the little kids as well. Now, obviously, a ravenous wolf is super dangerous to us in real life. No doubt, you wouldn't want to come across a ravenous wolf. It would stop at nothing to have us for dinner. But Jesus, he likens false teachers to ravenous wolves because the message that they peddle is so, so, so dangerous catastrophically dangerous to our very souls. That's why Jesus uses that powerful image of a ravenous wolf to describe false teachers. Why why is it so dangerous? Why is why is their false message so dangerous? Because it is a distortion of the truth. It is not the truth, it is a distortion of the truth. False prophets ultimately offer a distorted gospel that ultimately, when it boils down to it, doesn't actually follow in the way of Jesus. It doesn't follow Jesus. It doesn't stick to the road less tread, but follows the road that none of us want to be on at all. False prophets promote messages that, if received and if believed, can actually lead us to abandon the true gospel, the true beautiful, life-changing, freeing, radical gospel of grace through Jesus Christ. And here's why this can be such a subtle thing. Often the messages that false prophets or false teachers share and promote are false because of what they don't say rather than what they do say. Let me say that again. Sometimes the messages that are promoted by these false teachers and prophets are false not because of what uh, sorry are false because of what they don't say rather than what they do say. Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones explains this really well using the example of a person who only ever preaches about God's love. Here's what he writes. He, the false teacher or false prophet, generally emphasises one truth about God only, and that is love. He does not mention the other truths that are equally prominent in the scriptures, and that is where the danger lies. He does not say things that are obviously wrong, but he refrains from saying things that are obviously right and true. And that is why he is a false prophet. To conceal the truth is as reprehensible and as damnable as to proclaim an utter heresy. And that is why the effect of such teaching is that of a ravening wolf or a ravenous wolf. It is so pleasing, but it can lead men to destruction because it has never confronted them with the holiness and the righteousness and the justice and the wrath of God. It is so, so true what he says here. We could add in teaching about the final judgment of all people, the eternal destination for people who don't actually humble themselves and follow Jesus in this life. We could talk about neglecting talking about the dangers of sin or our need for genuine heartfelt repentance and forgiveness only through Christ. We could talk about all those things as well. In a nutshell... In a nutshell, false prophets, they don't paint the full picture. They promote and share about God's love, for example, and radical forgiveness whilst minimizing or maybe not even acknowledging in any of their teaching the significant costs associated with actually following after Jesus. They don't urge us to do the very things that Jesus himself urges us to do. To enter through the narrow gate and to walk On the narrow way. And because of this, Jesus says in Matthew 7 and verse 19 these false prophets, they're going to face a horrible end. They are going to face a horrible end. Like trees that fail to bear good fruit, they're useless, aren't they? That's how he describes them. Trees that don't bear good fruit are useless and they're only good for firewood. False prophets, Jesus says, are going to be cut down, they're going to be humbled and will one day face. God's righteous judgment for misleading people. Hence the imagery that Jesus uses there of wood being cast into the fire. It's heavy. It's pretty hard to hear. But Jesus said it. It's completely true. I want to do a couple of things as we close our time in God's word this morning. Firstly, I want to do something that I don't know if I do enough of. Maybe you mightn't do enough of either. I want to take the time to actually pray for those false teachers who are influencing and at play in our world today. There are many of them. There would be countless false teachers, false prophets all over the world operating and leading people astray right now. And I just want to, I just want to pray for them. We don't need to name them. I don't need to share a list or something. But we just, I really feel that God would want us to. Just like his heart is for none to perish, he doesn't want false teachers to perish either. He wants them to come back to the truth and be saved. They all ne- desperately need to repent and they need to get back on track. And And ultimately for their good, they need to align themselves with the gospel. And then if if for whatever reason, they're still in a position where they can still teach, that God would help them to get a clear theology so that they can actually teach the truth. They're not preaching so that they can deal with their distorted gospel and not preach it anymore. As Jesus says in this passage, so much is at stake for false teachers. So much is at stake for false prophets. So I really feel that we should be people who take the time to pray for them and ask God to intervene in them in their lives and to draw them back to himself. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I I just really want to pray for us. I mean, there's so much teaching out there today. There's so much teaching out there that is super helpful and super good. There is so much teaching out there today that is clearly false and easy to spot. And the problem is, is that there's so much teaching out there that appears to be super good and appears to be true, but is actually not the gospel and is actually false teaching. And we... As Christians, we need to be so discerning. We need to be so careful because so much is at stake. So much is at stake. And Jesus warns us. And so I want to pray that we would heed his warnings today and that no matter how closely we walk with God, no matter how much we devour his words, that we would would appreciate that none of us are susceptible to being led astray. None of us are immune from believing False teaching, ultimately, none of us, myself included. We desperately, we desperately need Holy Spirit's help so we can be discerning and hold to that, cling to that which is true and reject anything else that is false. And it's not always easy to do, but we can do it when we invite Holy Spirit to give us help in that very task. Why don't we close our eyes right now and bow our head As we pray together and just invite Holy Spirit even to seal what He's spoken to your heart today in so that you continue to walk on that road, less tread, following Jesus every step of the way. Let's pray together. Lord God, we just want to praise you that your word is truth, that we can trust your word. Even the hard passages, like today's, even those hard ones to really sit with and chew, we can trust you that. This is good, that this is right, that this is true. And so, Jesus, we pray and we intercede, Lord. We plead with you, God, for all these false teachers and false prophets at play in Christian circles all over the globe, Lord. Right now, we just pray that you would bring them back to the gospel. Lord, that you would bring them back to the gospel, that you would help them to discern the error of their ways to the error of their teaching so that, Lord, they would not one day get to heaven and recognize at that point that they've been off track and that they've led people astray, Lord, but they would recognize now and repent and find life and hope and freedom as they embody and live out and promote the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you draw them to yourself? We know your desire is that none of them should perish just like it's your desire that no person in all the world would perish. So draw them back to yourself, we pray. And God, we pray for ourselves, Lord. We know how easy it is for us to not be discerning, to not be a Berean and study to see if that which people are saying is actually true or not, Lord. And we know even in hearing things that things can sound true and sound good and sound accurate, but can actually be false teaching. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us the ability to be discerning, the ability with Holy Spirit's help to be able to separate that which is true from that which is wrong, and, Lord, that we would be able to not give in to any false teaching, not let it have any impact on our lives or on our walk with you, but that, Lord, we would be planted firmly in the centre of the road that leads to life, Lord. Just like, just like a, an aeroplane when it comes into land would not want to be on the margins, Lord, would not want to be on one side of the runway or the other, but wants to be central, God, fully centred on the truth, fully centred to land well and continue the journey well, Lord. That's what we want. We want to be centred. We want to be sure. We want to have the right foundation. And so, Jesus, we thank you that because we've asked, Holy Spirit, you are going to help us to do just that. So Lord, give us wisdom, give us grace, give us everything we need to be planted firmly in the truth of your true gospel. And Lord, would that change everything for us? We thank you, God, for your love, your great mercy and your grace. And Lord, would you stir us to continue to be discerning ourselves and also to pray for those who either are false teachers or for people that we know who've been led astray by false teachers. God, draw us all to a central place firmly planted on your truth so that we all might be free in your gospel and be free as kingdom citizens, as daughters, as sons, as children in your family. And that we might reap the rewards of that now in this life. Yes, Lord, but also God, may we eagerly anticipate being reunited with you in heaven, one day for eternity. We thank you, Jesus. And we pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.